We're so glad to have Pastor Patty back from Ukraine. Welcome her. Thank you. We missed you. <laughs> missed you too. And um, it is a good day, yeah? I just got back from Ukraine on Friday night. And um, so I was there for about almost two weeks, about 10 days, I think, 10 or 11 days. And uh, it was just a fantastic trip. Got back late Friday night. I have no idea what time it is right now. And uh, it's about actually 20 to 20 to 12, so it's about 20 to 8. If you are here for the very first time, we forgot to say we're glad you're here. If you are here for the first time, we actually have a gift for you, some maple syrup that we would love to give to you, but you have to raise your hand and give us your email address in order to do that. So we just raise your hand so that we can give that to you, and they're going to pass out to you a little form. There we go. And, uh, and if you are, yep, just wave your hand really high in the air. How about all the rest of you? Can we just say how awesome it is to have first-timers here? <laughs> it's good. It's good. And it's a good day. And so, anyway, so we're going on. We are finishing up today with our series that we've been doing in the month of May called Rediscovering or Discovering the Fun of Living Generously. We've been doing that through the whole month of May. And uh, it started because in December or January, a few months ago, on a Sunday morning during worship, I was right here where I usually am, and, and I was just kneeling and worshiping and praying and listening to God. And it felt to me like God dropped this, this statement into my head of, I want this church to discover or rediscover the fun of living generously. And, and I just want you to know, I... I really believe that, that God has something for us here as a church. And I really believe that God does want us to discover or rediscover the fun of living generously. And that when we do, and we turn into a culture of a church, I mean, we've already been a church that gives generously, but I just think he's got something more for us. And I think it's something that when we get really ridiculously generous... Isn't that a great phrase? Ridiculously generous that God is going to do some amazing things in this church that we haven't even imagined yet. Does anybody else think that that's exciting? Yeah. The worship team does, and I do. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I am pumped because I think God's got something awesome for us. And so we've been doing this series, and we've been doing different tools through it. And, and one of the things that we've been doing is, is daily devotions on Facebook through an online group there. And um, it's really awesome to watch different people respond and, and say what they think God is doing in their lives. And so one of our, one of our members, who's a student here, um, said that they, they thought that they didn't actually have any income. So they said, I, I can't give. There's nothing I can do for financial generosity. So I can't give. There's nothing I can do. And so they said they were going to be generous in other ways. And I said, well, that's great. That's awesome. And God's, isn't that great that God's doing that through you? And then, and then this week, they wrote on, they posted this on our Facebook group. They said, you know, I realized that I had been saying to myself, well, I don't have any money. I can't do anything. And then I popped into Starbucks for a coffee. And, and then sometimes before a long class, I would, I would go out to eat when really I could have just brought food from home. And I realized I do have finances. I am rich. I'm one of the ones that can afford to give as well. And so they turned around and started living generously with their finances as well. That's awesome. 
And then one of our other people here, one of our young adults, um, she, she just moved into a new place just a few months ago. And she had to move because a year ago she was in a fire where, the, where she had lived. There had been a fire. And, and so a bunch of people got displaced. And so she had been displaced as well. She ended up getting back into a place. And then she found out that some of the others who had been displaced, who were supposed to be able to move back in this month, their, their renovations got delayed. And so they still have nowhere to live. And so she posted on Facebook. She said, well, I've just decided God gave me this place to live where I have now. So I'm going to open up my home to all the others until they find a place to live. They can stay in my place because that's how I'm going to live generously because God gave me this place. And so I'm going to give it away. That's cool. And then some of our seniors as well, they've also been part of it. And one of our seniors wrote on Facebook, I've experienced God's generous provision when I least expected it. It doesn't seem to compute on a human level. So I've given up trying to figure it out. I'm just accepting his blessings and living generously. It's just been awesome as we walk through this whole process. And so today is the last Sunday. And, you know, if you've been here, we've been talking about what we've been doing for the month of May, that with all of our income as a church, 10% would, would be tithed to our district. And at the same time, each of us individually was going to tithe 10% to our general fund. And 5% as a church was going to go to missions. And each of us individually, 5% we're going to do missions or outreach, some form of that. 5% as a church, we're going to pay on the debt our mortgage. And we said, maybe you should do the same as individuals. Let's each pay 5% on that credit card or that mortgage or the car loan. Or if you're blessed and you don't have any debt, then set it aside as savings. And then we said 5% as a church, we were going to accumulate to the side. And on the last Sunday, we're all going to vote on it. And then if you happen to be physically here in the building on that day, that that you get to vote on one of three projects and whatever we've set aside and raised in that 5% for the month of May, we we would give it away. So today is the day that we vote. Are you excited? I know, right? You're, I'm excited. So, so we, we've had this base scripture, and I just want to run it by you before we, before we go ahead and vote, okay? But I want you to hear it because we've been saying it over and over again. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So the first line of that scripture is the thing that's the most important. Teach those who are rich in this world. And we said, if you have food to eat, if you have a home to live in, if your basic needs are met, and you look around at the rest of this world, you are rich. You are rich. Turn the person beside you and go, you are rich. Okay. Turn the person on the other side and go, we are rich. Okay. Let's say it all together now really loud. We are rich. God has blessed us. And so, so today we get to vote with our riches. It's so exciting. And so if you are here, I don't care if you've never been here before. I don't care if you've participated in the giving. Doesn't matter. Your body is here today. You get to vote. And so our ushers are coming to the front right now and they're going to give out ballots to you and we're going to fill them in right now. And we've been, we've been setting aside 5%. And so right now we have approximately $2,600 that has come in for that. And we're, we're hoping that that's going to increase because we're going to go right through to the end of the month, even though today's the last Sunday. 
right. So next Sunday, we should be able to give you a total amount of the money that goes, but this Sunday is the day that we're voting. So there's, there's three projects that you get to vote, one of them, okay? And they were presented to you last week. One of them is Red Frogs. Red Frogs is a sober presence in an alcohol-fueled environment on university campuses. There's a Red Frogs chapter on McGill University. They help to provide um, safety and dry alternatives and, and a walk home when you're not safe and all of that stuff. And they're really trying to empower our university students to make positive life choices and become a voice of change within the culture. That is Red Frogs. Your second choice is called On Rock. And On Rock is a local organization right here in Montreal. They generally serve people living with poverty. But a number of you have asked, are we going to help people who have been victimized by, by flood? And On Rock is one of the foremost organizations in Montreal that is helping with the flood relief efforts in the area. So that's your second choice. And your third choice is Dans la Rue, which is started by Father Emmett Jean... Father Emmett John in 1988, and they help people who are homeless and youth who are at risk. And so there's kind of two streams that they do. They, they give empathy and respect, and they, they work with the community, and they care for the immediate needs of people who don't have a home or youth who are at risk. They care for their immediate needs, but they also help them to acquire the skills that they need and resources so that they can live more autonomous and rewarding lives. Okay, those are your three choices Pick one. And I know some of you are going to go, I just want to pick all three. Oh, come on. Have some courage. Pick one. And uh, as soon as you're done, take your ballots and pass them to the nearest aisle. And as soon as the ushers are done handing them out, they're going to pick them up. And, uh, and we're just going to keep moving on. And if they count fast enough, we're going to tell you the total at the, end of this, at the end of the day. Okay? The first service already had their vote. And they may have been working the lobby to get you to agree with them because it's one vote total altogether. So... Um, so that's how that's going to go. Okay. Are we all good? Everybody's good. Okay. Turn the person beside you. Do it again. Say, we are rich. Turn the other person. Go, you are rich. Okay. And you got to say it with attitude. Go, I am rich. That's it. Okay. We are rich in this world. We are blessed. We are well taken care of in this world. And I just want to tell you, I don't actually say that lightly. When I say that we are rich and that God has really blessed us, I actually don't even say that happily sometimes because it's actually a really heavy responsibility. It's, it's a huge privilege and responsibility that God has given us. Because think about, think, think, just think about this. You and I have been entrusted with God's resources. We've been entrusted with God's resources in order to accomplish God's purposes. Just think about that. Everything that you have, God has entrusted God's, his own resources to you in order that you can accomplish his purposes. It's a heavy responsibility. And, it, and it's way too easy for most of us to actually forget the truth of that. And it's way too easy for us to think that everything that we have is ours. I earned it. I deserve it. It's mine, and I, you know, I'm thankful to God for it, but it's, we think it's ours. And it's way too easy for us to think that we are doing God a favor when, when we give back a little bit here and there. And it's way too easy for us to put, to put way too much trust in money in our lives when we're supposed to be putting our trust 
in God. And so, so listen to what Paul says in this, this scripture that we've been reading all through the month. Let me back up a little bit earlier and listen to what Paul has to say about money. But people who long to be rich fall into what? Temptation. And are what? Trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into and ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. If you don't think that's sobering, you didn't listen. Okay? That is disturbing. Those words that have been underlined there, temptation and trap and ruin and destruction, something that, will, that has, is the source of all kinds of evil, something that will cause you to wander from your faith and, and, and be filled with sorrow in your life, that is sobering. That's disturbing. Can I just tell you, if, if that scripture said that about anything other than money, we would run. We would, if, if this scripture said it, just think about something that maybe that you love in your life or something that, you know, you re- like, like dumplings. Does anyone here like dumplings? I, I, I was introduced to dumplings when I moved here to Montreal. I may have a bit of a problem now. I love them. They are so good. Okay. Just, mm, mm. But. Can you imagine if this scripture, instead of money, imagine if this scripture had this to say about dumplings. People who long to eat dumplings fall into temptation and are trapped and are plunged into ruin and destruction. For the love of dumplings is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving dumplings have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Could you imagine if that's what the scripture said? We would never eat dumplings again. We would go, I'm sorry, this is going to lead me into a trap. This is going to lead me into temptation. This is going to cost me my eternal salvation. This is going to, this is going to plunge me into ruin and destruction. Why on earth would I do that? And, and we would never, we would never even go near dumplings if that's what the scripture said about dumplings. But, you know, when it's about money, <laughs> oh, it's okay. I got this. I, I know, I know, ruin, destruction, traps, temptation. I'll be fine. I can handle it. It's a serious thing, you know, this privilege that we have of being rich in this world. And, and Paul gives Timothy um, a couple of secrets in how to handle this responsibility and handle this privilege we have of being rich. You ready? Number one, contentment. Contentment. Contentment is a huge secret in how to handle being rich as a Christian. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, Paul said, yet true Godliness with what? Is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be 
content. Now, we've talked about this before in this church, and we probably will again, because I think it's kind of a big issue. I believe, I'm just being straight up with you, I believe that in today's world, not the globe, this world, right here, Montreal 2017, I believe that one of the biggest obstacles we face is understanding contentment. Nobody promotes contentment in our society, in our world, in our culture. Contentment's not a value that we promote. You never turn the TV on and have a commercial come on saying, hey, just be content with what you have. That never happens. We don't promote that value. In fact, sometimes contentment, we mistake it and we call it settling. They're just settling. They could have more and they're just settling. I'm just settling. I'm not going to settle for that. We think that contentment is some sort of negative thing. No one ever suggests saying, I have enough. No one ever stands up and says, you know what I'm going to sell you? Nothing. I have enough. You have enough. Everything that we do in our society, in our world, always pushes for more. Now, please understand, I'm not, I'm not putting stuff down that matters. I'm just, I'm just talking about a principle here. So, so when you go to school, when you're in education, you know, I've been there. I got a couple degrees, all that stuff. They, there's a constant push. Well, you need more, though. You have to have more. You have to have higher education. You can never stop getting educated. Uh, if you have a home, you have a, you know, great little place that seemed great when you first got it, a little apartment or whatever, and and all of a sudden there's this drive and there's this push. You got to get a bigger place. You got a better place. You got to get a newer place. You got to get a place, you know, in a different part of town. You got to whatever. You got to have more, better, bigger. When we go to food. We go to these buffets where you pay one price and it's all you can eat, right? It's not even just a regular portion. It's why well, you got to have more. And so, so we get halfway through the buffet and we go, well, I'm, I might be kind of full. And we go, well, does it matter? Paid for all I can eat. It's a challenge. I can eat more. I got to eat more. I got to eat the word. And so we just start, we keep going because God forbid we ever have a moment of hunger at any moment. And so we just keep going and going and eating more. We have this really driven culture. And, and we're, very, we're very driven to get more. We're driven to get bigger. We're driven to get better. And we're driven by the fear that we're not going to have enough. Now, please know, I am not advocating poverty as some form of godliness. I'm not, I'm not advocating laziness as some form of godliness. I actually believe in working hard. I believe people should be paid appropriately for the work they do. I believe in having big dreams and working hard and going for it and having ambition and doing all that God's called you to do. But I, I don't want to strive my whole life for more. Always working to get more, more, more. And at the end realized that I missed the incredible joy of the enough along the way. I don't want to do that. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What did he say in 1 Timothy there? True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. And the key to contentment is thankfulness. 
And we're not a very thankful culture either. We are an outraged culture, and we are an entitled culture. And we think we deserve more, and when we don't get it, we gasp and get all huffy and outraged. And when we do get it, we go, I guess so, I deserved it. I did the work to be able to get that. I deserve to have more. And, and so we are, not, we are not a thankful culture. We say thank you, but really it's just to be polite. It's, it's a little bit meaningless. Yeah, thanks. But really the thanks is, thanks for giving me exactly what I deserve. Because if, I, if you hadn't, I would have huffed at you. <sighs> you know? And, and thankfulness has become this meaningless thing. And can I just, I don't know how else to say, we're missing out. We are missing out if we are not living thankfully, if we aren't taking every opportunity available to us to thank God for the blessings that he has poured out on us, for the lives that he's given us, for the the fact that we breathe air. If we aren't thanking God, we are missing out on the overwhelming joy of seeing God's goodness at work in our lives. Because God's goodness is at work in our lives We're just so outraged and entitled, we're not seeing it. And when we live lives of thankfulness, we start to see more and more, and we just start overflowing. We start getting overwhelmed with thankfulness. My most frequent status on Facebook, I'm sure it's annoying to everyone, I don't care, is I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I get blown away by all the things that God has done for me. And sometimes, you know, in my daily devotions, I can't even get past thankfulness. I just, I just thank God and then I run out of time. I don't have time to do anything more than that. Some of us can't even remember the last time we were just so overwhelmed with thankfulness. So overflowing with thankfulness to God for his goodness to us. The last time that we were profoundly contented with this day this moment. God, thank you. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Can we just pause right now? And and let's let's just do that. Let's take a minute and, and open your mouth and start to whisper or say right out loud prayers of thankfulness to God. You go, I don't, I don't know what to thank him for. Just try. God, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for this chair that I'm sitting on. Go ahead, try it. You have to actually move your lips. And, and try, to, try to let it out. Just for, God, thank you for the shoes that I'm wearing. Thank you, God, for, for somebody that said hello to me as I came in. Go ahead. Start thanking God. God, thank you for the music. Thank you for worship. Thank you that we get to come together and be in front of your throne. Thank you, God, for food that I'm eating today. Thank you for, for the work that I have. Thank you for the purpose that I have. Take another 10 seconds and start to ask God to show you. What are you thankful for? Start saying it out loud. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Five more seconds. Right out loud. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Do you know If you start practicing thankfulness, God, thank you that public transit exists so I could come to church today. If we start practicing thankfulness, you're going to find out you're going to, you can't even run out of things to be thankful for. You know why? Because we are rich. We are rich. Turn the person beside you and go, we are rich. The second secret to dealing with all of these riches God has given us is generosity. First one is contentment, which comes from thankfulness. 
and it leads to generosity. Second Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, each of you must make up your own mind about how much to give. But don't feel sorry that you must give. Don't feel you're forced to give. God loves people who love to give. God can bless you with everything you need, and you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. The scriptures say, God freely gives his gifts to the poor and always does right. God gives seed to farmers and provides everyone with food. He will increase what you have. Why? So you can give even more to those in need. You'll be blessed in every way. And you will be able to keep on being generous. And then many people will thank God when we deliver your gift. Listen, when we are thankful and content with what we have, and we start seeing how huge God's blessing is in our life, and we start realizing how much we have, then when we see a need, we don't even have to think twice. We just immediately can give towards it. We immediately can start being generous, and we can be freely generous, and we can be joyfully generous when we are intentionally, thankfully content. Back to that scripture we've repeated over and over again. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, and they should be generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. True life. We are rich. You are rich. And the world tells us that the way to handle it is to hoard it and to live in fear and be worried that there's not going to be enough and hang on and be stingy and just count out every little penny. But Jesus tells us to celebrate. He tells us to overflow with thankfulness, and he tells us to live with ridiculous generosity. And if we do that, we experience true life. And if we don't, we're missing out. So like I said, I just got back from Ukraine on Friday night, and I got all kinds of stories to tell. I'm going to tell them in a couple weeks, but I want to tell you one this morning. And it's this village, little village church that I go to every time I go to Ukraine. It's called Zeloni Lug, which means green meadow, because it's in a green meadow. And so it's this little tiny village, and, and the pastor there, his name is Sergei, and his wife's name is Vika, and I've been going there on and off for maybe eight or ten years. And the first time I went... It was, the, the church was held in this small little home that, that Sergei, I believe, had inherited from his grandfather. And it had two rooms and a porch kind of thing. And so he slept in one room and ate in the porch area, and the church would meet in the other room, in his sort of living room. And then the second time I went back, um, he said, look what God has done. And there was Vika. <laughs> and he had his wife who had moved out from the city, and she was a speech, trained as a speech therapist and had, and had left it all behind to come and to marry him and to help um, plant this church in this village that is just filled with, with poverty. And then the next time I came, they said, look what God has done. And there was this building right there. That's, that's the building that, that, that God gave them. And uh, it's one room. 
And, uh, but it, it's, it's good, and it meant that they could have their house, which is about the same size as that little thing with two rooms and a porch, and they could have that all to themselves, and then they could have their congregation. That's their congregation there who I met with um, one night. The, the people in the bottom left-hand corner there sitting beside me, that's Sergey and Vika. That's the pastor and his wife, and they're just this little group of people, and they've, they've, in the years, as time has gone by, they've planted a second church in the next village over, and there's about 20 people that come. They don't have a building there, but they have a tent and they set that up and they're just filled with dreams and they're all excited. And, and, and over the years, they've, they've realized that, that part of what's happening in the Ukrainian villages is people are relying more and more on stores and they're losing their, their heritage and they're losing their, their, um, the skills of their, of their grandparents. And so Vika, the city girl and Sergey decided that they were going to learn how to do those skills. And so they started learning how to farm, <laughs> And learning how to uh, make some of their own food and grow some of their own food. And they didn't have anybody to tell them how. They just, they just figured it out. They prayed and said, God showed us how. And then they said, well, we better figure out how to deal with some livestock. And so they have a couple chickens and, um, and a cow. And they learned how to do that. And then they, they got honeybees. And, and the first time they got honeybees, nobody told them they would freeze over the winter. So it was good for a year. And then they all died. And they had to start again. But they started again. And so they, we, this is the kind of thing they've been doing. And now they're teaching other people in the village how to do that. And they're sharing food with them. And so after we, we prayed together and we sang together and we, we, we looked at God's word together in the church, we came back to the little little porch in their house and that's that's it right there and we had borscht and we had salo and we had tea and we had um little desserts and we started talking about all the things all the amazing things god was doing these are probably to be honest with you sergey and vika are probably the two poorest people that i know in the entire world they don't have indoor plumbing they they have nothing and you know what they said to me they beamed looking at me I was sitting at a table where one of the chairs, I was afraid to sit on it because I thought it was going to break, and so I, I chose a different one, and somebody else sat on that chair. And in that place where we were eating borscht and drinking tea, you know what they said to me? We are rich. Patty, we are rich. God has done so much for us. Look at this home we live in. Look at this church building that God gave us. We, God has taught us how to grow our own food and how to raise livestock. And now we share with other people in the village. We have more food than anyone else in the village. There's, there's a man in the village that doesn't have a home to live in. And so we were able to tell him he could sleep in the church. And so he sleeps in the church every night. And, and now he's happy. And, and we get to give to other people. And we are so blessed. And we are so rich. And God has been so good to us. And, and we just, they just shared that with me and beamed while they were telling me. And then when I got in the car to leave, Vika came running down the road and said, wait, don't leave yet. And handed me a giant jug of milk that probably had been in a cow an hour before and a giant bag of eggs that had just been laid. And, and she said, here, let me be generous to you. Let me give you some milk and some eggs. That's generosity. That's thankfulness. That is contentment. They, probably the two of the poorest people I know, and they are experiencing true life. They are joyful. They're beaming with God's goodness. Their needs are being met. And it's true godliness, and it's how Jesus called us to live. I often get caught by the teachings of Jesus because we often look at his miracles and we look at his um, death and resurrection and those things really matter. There's no question. But sometimes we ignore what Jesus actually taught. And what he taught is, is what his world was supposed to look like. 
and what his kingdom is supposed to look like and what our role is in that kingdom and what we're supposed to do. And it's hard for us to get it. It was really hard for his disciples to get it. You know, there was a, there was a moment when they wanted to know in this kingdom of God who the important people are. You know, important people are always the ones with the money. So how do we get important how do we get power? How do we, how do we get influence, Jesus, in this kingdom of God, in this world that you're creating? And, and this is what he says in Matthew 20. He called them together and said, you know, the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to what? Give his life. And he calls us to do the same. And he expects us to do the same. He expects us not to act like the rest of the world. He expects the church, the kingdom of God, followers of Jesus, to be countercultural with different values. He expects each of us to be like him, serving and giving everything. Because Jesus gave everything, and then he gave his life. And so how could we do less? So here's what we're going to do to, to end this morning, there's three things, and I just want to tell you what they are, and we got 15 minutes, okay? The first thing I'm going to do is we're going to pray, and we're going to invite anybody who might not be a follower of Jesus yet, if they want to make that decision today, then they can. We're going to give that opportunity, and then we're going to worship together, and we're going to take the offering as part of the worship, because we don't collect an offering because we need money. We give because God calls us to give, and it's part of our worship. And so we're just going to sing and give all at the same time. And then we're going to break into small groups, and we're going to take communion together. And, and I'll explain that when we get there. And then, and then we're going to come together, and we're going to close. So I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads at this moment. And I want to ask because, you know, there, I, I almost didn't in the first service, and I'm so glad I did because somebody raised their hand the first time. And so I want to ask in this room, there might be somebody here and everyone's head is bowed, everyone's eyes are closed. And maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you've been here for a while. And you might not understand all of it. You might not know exactly what everything is, but there's something that's grabbed your heart. And you're kind of going, I, I want in. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I don't know quite what it means, but I want in. If you're here and that's you today, everybody's eyes are closed. Would you just raise your hand at this moment so that I can see it? I can pray for you. Yep, thank you. Right near the front. Anybody else? Yep, thank you. Thank you over there on the side, I see. Anybody up in the balcony? Thank you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to ask if you would repeat the prayer after me. And you know what? We're all in this together as children of God, as God's family. So we're all going to repeat it together. Dear Jesus, 
Thank you for your sacrifice. We're asking everybody to repeat this together. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your death and resurrection. Thank you that you created me. Jesus, I don't really understand everything that's happening. But I know that something has grabbed me in my heart. And so I want to give my life to you. Forgive my sins. Make me clean. Show me what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And make my life everything that you planned for it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know three people just had their lives changed this morning? Just stand with me. We're going to take an offering. The ways to give are on the screen. Online, text, credit and debit, cash and check. You know all the ways. Give because God calls you to give, not because I do. Give because you're content and thankful. and You want to live generously. And as we do, the ushers are already here. Ushers, just go forward and take, go ahead and take it. God bless the offering as we give. And let's just worship God as we do.